This is Pixel Splitters, your absolute favorite conversation movie news podcast with your hosts, Josh. And it's October. It's the one month that we can just do horror. And Willis. Captain, tear this ship apart and bring me the passengers. I want them alive. Like, yeah, yeah. Join us each week as we break down the latest movie news, TV news, and general industry news and debate about what it all really everyone after a extended break there not because we wanted to but because i got covid so you know you know how it goes <laughs> it would not have been a fun episode had we actually recorded i probably would have been damn near incoherent towards the end so <laughs> Just we decided not, to take a week off not committed not committed Jeff. exactly you know it, there should be no excuses <laughs> here on pixel splitters but alas um but yeah, we're back. We're good. We got some stuff to talk about. Uh, the first thing we're going to go over is not just the introduction, but the, I guess, implications and applications of AI when it comes to performances. Yeah. Because they might be closer than we think. In Things fact, we've actually seen some. Yeah. So yeah, we'll, we'll get into that a little bit. We're also going to talk about Apollo 10 and a half, the new Linklater film being rejected as quote of right unquote. now yeah yeah quote unquote Came uh, out like june sure new to this year yeah. though okay <laughs> uh but it's been rejected by the academy as being animated which if you've seen the movie is kind of odd because it's very much an animated film and we're, we're gonna talk about yes. <laughs> what the heck is going on there and then oh my god everybody <sighs> we have to talk about blonde the uh, Andrew Dominic film about Marilyn Monroe. Yes. Because there is a lot going on there. Because I was so excited. Um, I know. But there's we a bo- lot to unpack. I, I feel like we should say at the top, spoilers. I don't Definitely know if there's spoilers. really anything spoilery to say about that movie. Um, yeah. But... But I also don't want to make anyone go see Blonde. Yeah, I don't want to be like, <laughs> go watch it before you listen to this because n- not. It's a tough hang. But, um, we'll, we'll get into it. Before we get to that section, we'll make some kind of a judgment call on what to say. Before if you were on the fence about seeing it and you highly value our judgment when it comes to movies, watch it first. Otherwise, yes. yeah, we'll, we'll be fine. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Uh, but before we get into that, let me run over the single release that is worth noting this week. Yes. Which is the finale to uh, David Gordon Green's Halloween trilogy, Halloween Ends, which is coming out this Friday. And another Halloween movie, folks. I don't, yeah. you know what you're going to get, pretty much. I mean, apparently, maybe he dies in this one. I don't, don't think that's Jamie possible. Jamie Curtis back. Back again. In fact, she said that she would do these movies for a lot longer so that makes me a little nervous mm. because i'm like okay. <laughs> because what producer went yeah calm down Jamie. Uh, okay. we're gonna do one <laughs> we're gonna do one more but who knows there should be a halloween movie every year but that's pretty much the only thing coming out this week of note i will also i i yeah. will note uh this isn't like a new thing or whatever but on sunday is mm. the ninth episode of house of the dragon Ooh. Game of Thrones, notorious for having very intense ninth episodes of the season. So this is the first time we're getting to like the, okay, shit can go down. Something big. Okay. Something. We're coming up on it here. Um, Noteworthy, though. Noteworthy. Noteworthy. Yes. Worth mentioning. Comes out ninth episode of House of the Dragon. uh, Comes out on Sunday. (sighs) Maybe I'll just watch that one episode and, you know. I honestly, if you did that, you would have absolutely no idea what's going on. I've watched every episode and I'm like, I'm pretty sure I know who each person is. Yeah, that's what I've heard. A lot of yeah. a lot of moving parts in uh, Game of Thrones lore. So. So AI performances, we've talked before on this show about. Yeah. Deep fakes, AI. In fact, we had someone reach out to us about AI technology and talk to us a little bit about it. And, you know, I the think... The big conversation what, started with the Anthony Bourdain documentary where they yep. faked three of his lines. Yes. Like, re- reconstructed his voice uh, as part of the documentary. 
Right. And wasn't it part of his journal or something that they had? Written? I believe they were emails that emails. were that he sent. So it was something that he said, but they faked his voice for the the style of the documentary. Right. And we also talked about this. I believe Luke Skywalker in the Book of Boba Fett show was entirely AI yes. voice, which yes. I didn't really know going into it. So that was interesting, but it's becoming something where we only just started talking about this and people are using it in major, major ways already. Yes. But now, I guess to wrap it all up into the Star Wars news, the great James Earl Jones. So yeah, some interesting stuff coming, but let's get on into this here episode. We'll longer be doing the voice work for Vader in the future. Yes. Which like, yeah, man. Yeah, dude. He's, he's 91. <laughs> yeah. Like live your life you know um yeah so james Earl jones retiring from the voice um but signed over i guess the phrase is the rights to his voice i guess i believe so i think they what they said is they gave permission to use his vocal likeness i think to yeah. to like to in order to keep this character alive because i mean darth vader he he doesn't ha you can't like recast Darth Vader. Arguably really. <laughs> the most iconic voice in the history of cinema. I'm like I I thought yeah. about this a little bit when we were first talking about this of like is there somebody else out there that I'm like who else? I would know that that's not him. Yoda. But like Yoda hasn't been voiced by Frank Oz in true years, you know. True. Um literally the only one I the other one I came up with was Mufasa and I was like, well that's well. James Earl Jones. <laughs> because um, it's James Earl Jones. But uh yeah, yeah. Yeah, like it's you know, it's iconic and you can't just I don't think there's anyone that could step in and just be like here's Darth Vader now. Mhm. Mm Especially because we had the original Darth Vader, but like we've gotten so much other and I qualifier I guess, but we've gotten so much other Darth Vader content since then. Mhm. Mm that's still the same voice. Yes. Yes. You know. Like you could you, at this point, you'd have to completely re, like redo the character to yeah. kind of get it somewhere else, and and you just don't want to do that because like it's so we iconic. just got Kenobi, which is like some 30, 40 years, yeah, fifty years post original Star Wars, not quite fifty, yeah. but like Pretty getting there. You know what I mean? And so it's it's one of those you can't just that yeah, you I can't I, do I, it. I wouldn't get in there. I yeah, right. It's it's messy. Um, but the question. Well, there's multiple questions here. I mean, ethics, there's a lot of different things because this kind of opens the door. Now, it's interesting because he did have to sign rights. Like, there's no, they couldn't just, like, take this and use it without any permission because yeah. it is a voice, which is weird because it's it like, is still you don't, his likeness. Yeah. Right. But you don't, like, patent a voice. Like, you don't, like. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know what the what the like the terminology is there, but it's 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 a weird kind of area that they're getting into with this type of stuff. Well, it, it comes to an identity theft kind of question. If they were to sure. continue to using his voice without his permission, it's like sure. Well, that's me. You can't just pretend to be me. You know. Right. Right. So <laughs> one of the questions that I had was, do you think there will be? a time where there are no performances because we're le we're getting into a position where you don't need to act it out. You also don't need to really do the vocal work for it either. Yeah. When are we going to get to the point where like you can just copy paste some dude's face and when does that ma like when does that take away from because it's not his performance, you know? If like yeah. you just had someone else do the performance with someone else's likeness on it, like that's not Well, and like in the voice kind of thing, my question becomes is like to the performance thing. Like, it's not just like, Oh yeah, we have his voice. Like there's still, yeah. Like performance the, to that. Like, you know what yeah. I mean? Like, yeah. Like, is there like when James Earl Jones plays Darth Vader, there is like almost an accent to it. Yeah. And it's like, who is dictating when, Darth Vader's voice goes up, goes down when the, he says something fast, something slow. Like that's right. the whole thing. That's like, that's what the actor gives to it. And that's something that like, I mean, I mean, I don't know, maybe it is something that AI can just replicate, but like 
Maybe. It has to be replicated with intention. Right. And AI can't necessarily tell if the text that it's being fed is something that's dramatic and will be way more effective if it's said slowly. Right. With intention. Right. Or if it's something that's like, you know, a very fast, like, what's the line he says in uh, A New Hope where he's like, uh, Captain, tear this ship apart and bring me the passengers. I want them alive. Like, yeah, yeah. And it, yeah. And, and it gets you, more and intense. And you're like, okay, and he's like, I'm like, bring passengers. You know, yeah. like, that's something that, like, a computer doesn't know. And there has to be an, an intention to that. So that becomes a question then of, like, who is that performance coming from? Right. Is it Which the is a computer really programmer? Yeah, is it like the guy that's feeding the AI of like Right. You know, like is that an art form in of itself of dictating AI? That's ooh, that's really That is bad. crazy. That is crazy. And it's also like, well then who could you nominate that performance for something? Like could yeah. you say this person gets like a best acting award because of the performance that they well, put into there's a computer. Your, there's your motion capture thing. There's the, yeah. the Oscar that Andy Circus deserves 15 it's times true. over. But that's like almost a reverse of it, of that's him bringing something to a digital thing as opposed to something digital being brought to a live performance. Right. Or something like that. You, you get what I'm saying. Sure. And this Listener, only really. You get what I'm saying. It, right. And this only really works for stuff like that, where it's like Darth Vader. It's so iconic that you just can't get around this. Yeah. Like it has to be James Earl Jones. If not, it's like, you could, like, because you couldn't just throw Tom Cruise's face on somebody. And that's a bad example. You couldn't throw Daniel <laughs> Day Lewis's face. probably the worst example. <laughs> yeah, that's a terrible example. You couldn't put Daniel Day Lewis's face on somebody and then just have them act. Yeah. Or, you know, do the mocap and have it be like, well, it's Daniel Day. It's technically, we licensed out his likeness. So, like, what does that mean? Like, we're getting well, into an area where, like. The interesting <laughs> the interesting thought that's, like, a weird parallel to that, that that comes to mind is the twins in Social Network. Yeah. Both played by Army Hammer. But mm -hmm. in scenes where they're together, Army Hammer's face was mapped onto this other guy's performance, which. That's right kind of sucks to be him he does have a cameo in it i think he like walks up to them when they're like standing outside of the bathroom or whatever that's the guy but yeah but like um that's a very i mean it's in the same kind of vein as stunt work of like that's mm -hmm. a very you know you're not the forward-facing look of it um right so it's it's a weird like it's another step away from actual performance Right, and if it's just being used to bring people, quote-unquote, back from the dead, what's the value in that when it's not something, like we said, like Darth Vader, where the, the character will just continue to live on throughout history? Yeah. You know, you couldn't just grab somebody and throw their face and be like, oh, this is now, here we go, it's Jimmy Stewart. It's like, it's not. It's It looks like him, sounds yeah. like him, but it's not that person. So... Like, what are we getting? What What are the applications for this? Is it just for, like, the cameo of, like... Oh, it's Carrie Fisher. Like, is that yeah, what is it's, it well, should be it, used for? Is it feeding like the nostalgia right. monster of like, you know, it would be great while we're making this movie that's based on a movie that came out 40 years ago. Right. It'd be great if we had like the same actor who looks like they did back then. Right. I don't, it, it it's, it's weird. Yeah. My question becomes, what are we going to get from Darth Vader now? You know what I mean? Like, is this a kind mm. of thing, like, are we going to be like, oh, well, now that we have the rights, like, let's do a Darth Vader series. Oh, God. You know what I mean? Like, but I don't think that's coming. I don't either. But it's not out of the question. But it's not, like, it's not far removed from, I don't have a good example. I want to say, like, She-Hulk or something like that, where it's like, here's an entirely digital character. Sure. But it's, like, digitally... The performance Aud is digital, audibly though. digital versus right physically digital, yeah, sure. And like, what does that even mean? Like, are, are like what what should we be taking from that? Because like the Luke Skywalker thing is an interesting case because I didn't feel much when that performance, quote unquote, was going on. I was just like, oh, he's just yeah. here saying lines. Like it it's didn't Luke Skywalker, yeah, yeah, it didn't hit me with with anything. So, well, I don't. Let me throw another 
potential idea at you here of yeah. what would it have been like if we were talking about Val Kilmer in Top Gun? Like total digital recreation of Val Kilmer? Well, I mean, maybe not even completely digital recreation, but like, you know, I mean, Val Kilmer doesn't have a voice anymore. Um, yeah. Or a very, yeah. you know, yeah. not like his voice is not what his voice once was. Um, right. Mm. But the, like the same technology that's being applied to James Earl Jones could theoretically be applied to Val Kilmer. But does that take away from like Val Kilmer or like Val Kilmer's like, 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 does it count even if he signs on off on it, which I'm not saying that he would, but like, does that count as part of Val Kilmer's canon? See, I don't know, because, like, you're taking something away from the reality of the situation. Like, filmmaking, it was basically, like, you you get what you get. Like, this is what you have to work with and put something on the screen. And with all of this stuff, we're getting to the point where it's like, yeah, but you can kind of do it after. Like, you can kind of do whatever you want, you know, make a, do a whole CG performance, shoot the whole thing in post. Like, do, do, so, that's a really good question. I don't, I don't that's, know. That's what it's going to be. That's the interesting, sorry to tee off of what you're no. saying. We're going to get something probably in the next 10 years that is a completely AI performance of something. Totally. Completely AI, like deep faked. Although even a deep fake has to be mapped onto something. But yeah, yeah. Like deep faked voice, deep faked performance. I guess not even a deep fake because I don't know. I'm like writing a whole thing in my head already <laughs> reminds me do you remember the movie simone from like 2000 like two or one or something al pacino no. oh i've heard of it i don't it was a I've weirdly al pacino o just then in in response to that that was like oh but uh simone was a movie that like was supposedly like the main character is it's simulation one simone mm-hmm. um and like the whole main character is like in a simulation and they thought about doing it with like AI or not AI per se at the time, but like CG. Okay. Um, And then they bailed out and hired an actress, I think like at the last minute before they started shooting. Oh, Um, but we're going to get to that point. I think where we get a full on completely AI performance Mm -hmm. and that's going to like, we're not far out from that and that's going to change everything. Right. Yeah, because that raises all of these questions of like, well, who do we praise for a good AI performance? I mean, if it's AI, it's AI. Yeah, there's no it's it's you're feeding information into a computer. And at that point, like it's the tweaking. Actually, you know, what's interesting. This can be one of the last things we say about this, but I was just AI art has become something really prevalent over the past like month where people are just like, oh, like here's all this stuff that's been and people are trying to make the argument like, like that oh i had to do all the legwork of tweaking it in in the program mm-hmm. and it's like but you didn't really do the work though the computer did the work you told the computer roughly what to do yeah so it wasn't really yours I, it, it, the the area is too gray like there's no it's like a subgenre of directing almost of like ai yeah. directing of like exactly it's like directing animation or mm-hmm. something like that. You know, it's like directing lighting for an animated film. Right. That was a weird cadence. Directing lighting <laughs> for an animated film, like, yeah. is a different concept than directing lighting for live action because it's just totally apples and oranges. Right. And directing an AI on how to play Darth Vader is very different than James Earl Jones in a booth saying, James, let's take it a little bit slower this time and right. see how that feels. Yeah. Like you're just inputting code into a computer and telling it this is – no, do it a little softer. Do it a little more, which – Yeah. This is wild. This is like an entirely I don't know different <laughs> – It's an entirely different concept around directing. Yeah. That's crazy. This is that, one of those things. I'm going to be sitting here chewing on this for oh, like yeah. a week now being like, well, like is that is that different than like – game engines like Like, is that different mm, than yeah weird like it is but it also isn't because at a certain point you will be able to just 
have a computer be able to infer what's supposed to be going on which they can already do like you can have programs write you stories and stuff based on like what is going on like what yeah you feed it so like but is that not what like you know when you look at a lord of the rings battle or something and there are ten thousand soldiers in a field right that are all just like duplicated and simulated like and they're all doing their own thing when you play like it's weird it's weird and it's something that I feel like if we really stopped and examined it for an hour or two hours. Oh, yeah. We would just unfurl this whole history of like, well, like this has been coming for yeah. two decades. Right, right. Um, but it's like almost here. It kind of is here. In, in it will be here ways. in our lifetimes. Yes. Yes. D- guaranteed. Like there, there, there are people working on this right now. Yeah. It's a slippery slope with that one. I mean, it was kind of inevitable, but it makes me a little nervous. And then, like, what do you qualify that as? Like, this is going to... I'm just, like, thinking out loud here. Like, what are they going to qualify that as if they were to give an award to someone? Yeah. (laughs) Well, I mean, we'll see what the Oscars actually, you know, Sure, sure. They they might not even be in two years, but... um, um, (laughs) That's, but that's yeah, it's like I'm technical Oscars for AI programming. Yeah, you but know? then like bring that to like right after like best act performance. Like yeah, and it's now the, best it's AI top performance. Five. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, best AI performance. There's a, that's that. There's your slippery slope of like, well, like does a human deserve credit for this performance because it was a computer, dude. We're going down the we're going down the rabbit hole here. Yep. Um, yep. Pump the brakes. Pump the brakes. <laughs> yes. So that's weird. Um Yeah. Speaking of the like two or three tee ups I tried to set up there of <laughs> yeah. Oscar noms and yeah. uh, animation being yeah. Right. Um Apollo ten and a half. Yes. A lovely movie. Yeah. I really like that movie. I did too. Very Not what I expected it to be, no. but like it is a Richard Linklater movie. <laughs> exactly. Which is all his whole jam. Yeah. So this is a an interesting case here because I think we've talked about this movie specifically on the podcast, but if you've so. not seen it, it's a very specific animation style that is a mixture of rotoscoping and classical an- animation. But the whole thing here is that the Academy, the one that we've been speaking about, that we speak about a lot, is at this point not considering it in the animation category at all. Yeah. Which is interesting because regardless, it is drawn. The entire movie is yeah. drawn. So for our <laughs> listeners who aren't necessarily maybe filmmakers, I don't know if we sure. have any of those, but maybe. Sure. Uh, rotoscoping is the art of filming something like live action, taking live action footage and drawing and animating over it. Yes. So you go frame by frame and create like a animated cell over the live action frame using the live action frame as like a guide. Right, right. Lots of great movies uh, have have been rotoscoped. I think all of the tentpole ones that people may have heard of have been done by Richard Linklater. Yeah, yeah. Um, Waking Life, A Scanner Darkly. Um, Apollo 10 and a half. Uh, yeah. And a lot of classical animation was done through rotoscoping, just not yes. with computers. It was just they would take reference and they would draw over the reference with Snow White or something like that. Original uh, lightsabers rotoscoped. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, which is so honestly, crazy. probably today's lightsabers technically rotoscoping. Most animation, I mean, yeah. mocap animation, all rotoscoped. Yeah. Like, there's no mocap, like, basically doesn't work. So, like, they have to roto it anyway. <laughs> so, so most things you've seen where there's a person or a humanoid that's not a human, it is probably rotoscoped in some way. Yeah. So, it is animation. It's just animation over reference, which is, I think, the main, I guess, the main issue that they're bumping up against here. Yeah. And also, that this isn't necessarily like a kid's movie. I mean, like, I guess like, yes, could be a kid could watch it, but it's not 
Toy Story. A kid would have a lot to unpack from <laughs> yes. watching Apollo 10 and a half. Um, yes. <laughs> focuses on a kid, sure, but like I don't think there are any like 10-year-olds out there that are appreciating what it was like to be a 10-year-old in the 1970s uh, and being a part of the Apollo missions. No, no. So rotoscoping as a whole, there's like you said, there's two parts here. There's the rotoscoping and there's the, uh, does the Academy hate not kids animated movies? Right. Um, the rotoscoping, like, yeah, it's animation. Like, shut up. Yeah. Like their definition by it was something that is um, done frame by frame. Yeah. Which like makes the Academy sound like out of touch at best. <laughs> Doesn't my reaction when I read that was like, it feels like they're like, well, you just put a filter on it. It's like, aren't you guys all filmmakers? I'm, I, yeah. I'm like, I, I, I mean, I guess arguably animation is like a more niche kind of filmmaking that feels weird to say but like kind of sure like your general filmmaker might not have i mean i as a filmmaker certainly have less understanding of what goes into animation sure. per se than like you know an animator um yeah i am conversant in it but couldn't probably pull it off on my own no, um no which i think if you multiply not that i'm a member of the academy but if you <laughs> multiply that off you know exponentially like you could make the argument for a misunderstanding eh. i but see i don't think the academy voters really put that much thought into a lot of this stuff like i've also heard and who knows how true this is but like a lot of them don't watch all the movies so they're just voting on stuff yeah. that they don't know about which is also the highly problematic yeah yeah and is a different different discussion altogether but if you are a, a, a member of the voting body of something like this, where, yeah, sure, the Oscars don't really mean anything, but they do mean something to people's careers, and they also mean something to them afterwards, because you can build a career off of Academy-nominated or Academy Award-winning. Yeah. Like, that is something that will open doors for you. So for someone to sit there and be like, well, I don't really get it, so I don't think it counts, it's like, that. just come on. You need different people in the voting body if that's any part of the conversation. Yeah. Well, like it's the this. same it's the same kind of concept of like people who discredit design or uh yeah. drawing work because they're like, "Well, you trace that." You know what I mean? I mean, my yeah. wife's a graphic designer and yeah. like yeah, I I don't think she'd care me saying this, but I've seen her like, you know, use something as a reference to start sketching it and like, "Okay, yes. I'm going to like sketch the shape and then I'll it, it like build off of that like yes. that doesn't discount her artwork you know what i mean no. and having a live action reference to something doesn't discount an animation no guess what taking pictures of real stuff makes drawings look more real right and even when it's something like toy story you think there's no reference there yeah like you think there was no reference at all in Shrek? You think they're all just like popping off the top of their head? Like, oh, this is, there's reference in every single animation thing. So just for someone to say that like, oh, it's not, this doesn't count because it's based off something in real life is just like, well, then you have to discount everything. Like no, yeah. there's basically nothing. I mean, go, turn, tune into, um, what's it called? Off the Air, which is on Adult Swim where it's just experimental shapes Okay, fine. Go go <laughs> to that and then pick from those and then you can have your Academy Award. But like, yeah. come on, man. Really? I don't know. So it, that's the so the other half of this being what's up with the Academy and only crediting Pixar? Uh, <laughs> Pixar, really, honestly. So I, I we did this before the pod, but I feel like it merits running through um, again. Just I'll do it quick for a reference. Um, but the uh, Best Animated Feature Academy Award has been around since 2001. So we've got just over 20 years, just over 20 films that have won this award. Uh, and I'm going to read them real quick just so everyone can appreciate. Okay? Let's do it. Uh, so 2001, we start with Shrek. And then we get Spirited Away, Finding Nemo, The Incredibles, Wallace and Gromit, The Curse of the Were-Rabbit, which I love because it knocked out The Corpse Bride and Howl's Moving Castle. Awesome. Go 2005. Um, <laughs> 2006, Happy Feet. 
and then Ratatouille, and then Wally, and then Up, and then Toy Story 3, and then Rango, and then Brave, and then Frozen, and then Big Hero 6, Inside Out, Zootopia, Coco, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, we're up to 2018 now, Toy Story 4, Soul, and Encanto. So, Disney, Animation, Pixar, what, DreamWorks. two on here? Spirited Away, Wallace and Gromit. Two Shrek that was DreamWorks, but... Yeah, two, well, I was going to say, and so is Zootopia, but so two mm. that aren't Disney, Pixar, or, or DreamWorks. Yeah. Um, in 20 years. Yeah. And the only ones, like, arguably that aren't, I don't know that there's any that aren't oriented towards children. I mean, you could argue that Spirited Away is like a little more adult, but it is definitely geared towards kids. Yeah, I was going to say, I the ar- only arguments I could make would be Spirited Away and maybe Soul. Sure, but it's um, still like... And maybe Pixar. Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, but like... Sure, sure. But all can be appreciated by children, whereas yeah. last year we had Flea. Which, mm-hmm. I, if if our loyal listeners will remember me being super excited about, yeah, um, which is a animated film about a man um, fleeing Afghanistan uh, as a refugee, um, and his like trials and tribulations getting like his life together and like putting something together as a you know, a refugee in, in Denmark. Um, yeah, not for kids. No, beautiful animation. And I really, really wanted to believe that it had a chance, but I, that, that kind of filmmaking versus Encanto, which like Encanto, great. Sure. Sure. Yeah. But what always wins, you know, the big noisy popular one. Yeah. Which is weird because it seems like they've, paired animation with kids movie yeah which isn't really true and it kind of again nothing against any of those films i actually love every movie on that list (laughs) yes absolutely. you know (laughs) but it puts it on a level it puts it down a level without knowingly doing so when you say oh it's a kids movie because it's like it doesn't have to have things that are overly complex in it in terms of themes or any or ideas necessarily although they can be something like soul but again like you said soul really isn't a kids movie um yeah so it kind of puts it down a couple pegs when you say oh they're just for kids you know and i think that's where it kind of gets lost and then you put something like apollo 10 and a half to bring it all the way back is that one of the reasons why they didn't choose it? Now they're saying animation and stuff like that, but would that have been discounted right right off the bat because like it wasn't as good as like yeah. Turning Red or something like that, or it wasn't as popular as Turning Red or something you know of that nature? Like I I don't know. I think a lot of people think like that. Oh, animation yeah. equals kids, and like that's not absolutely really that true. Absolutely, and it's like it's one of those. And maybe it's not, I mean, like the, like you're saying, the popular ones, the big name animation ones, there are, there are big name animation ones that just don't belong in the nomination list. Yeah. You know, yeah. I, 2019, How to Train Your Dragon, The Hidden World, like Oscar nominated, like fine <laughs> movie, but like, come on, I, I would sequels. bet. I would that's it's not we're not even in like numbered sequels for how to train yeah. your dragon with that one anymore like yeah um, it's like a how to train your dragon story <laughs> yeah and it's like there are so many animated films that are made every year that like are worth ex- like it doesn't seem like animation is um what am I trying to say here the criteria for nominating an animated film seems way more like a popularity contest than an art tour contest, Mm. like way more than the best picture nominations are. Totally. You know what I mean? Because when you look at like 2021, where you get Encanto, Flea, Luca, the Mitchells versus the Machines and Riot and the Last Dragon, Mm. I'm like, those are the equivalents of like, Marvel movies being nominated. 
Totally. Which people would lose their mind if Doctor Strange Multiverse of Madness was nominated for Best Picture. And like oh one, you know, like that's like the equivalent that we're talking about of like, yeah, it, it's they almost treat it like it's a genre specific category that it's just doesn't have to be. Exactly. Exactly. That's what it is. That's what it is. Like it's become its own genre, which is also this type of yeah. movie and the animation can be whatever. Yeah, you're so yeah. right. I'm curious to see how much live action the way of water has in it because Mm -hmm. like by their metric it was like 75 percent and i'm like i think that's gonna be pretty much and you want to talk about based on yeah 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 and that's that is rotoscoping like that is what that is so that's a really interesting count like would that be considered would that be considered well avatar was right for best animated no 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 for um oh best picture Best picture, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, Way of Water has a good chance of being up there for best picture. But I, but like that's an interesting thing of like how or, or like you get into the um the Lion King. Yeah. The you know, the CG one, like how much of that technically like oh, the live action that's a worse example than Avatar, but like <laughs> No, but I get um, what you're saying. Yeah. Avatar, yeah. the original one, nominated for best picture. Nom- yeah. Nine nominations. Best Art Direction, Best Cinematography, Best Director, Best Film Editing, Best Original Score, Best Picture, Sound Editing, Mixing, and Visual Effects. Um, I don't have any arguments there, really, but... Yeah. Um, you want to unpack how you art direct an animated film? <laughs> no. Not that you don't. Not that you don't. I'm not discrediting anyone out there. True, but like, true. That's Very a different, different conversation than, like... Yeah. Yeah. Um, if you're gonna, if the academy's gonna split hairs about rotoscoping versus animation, like I'm gonna split hairs about art directing a 90% CG movie versus yep. art directing like Top Gun. It, yep. What yep. a weird reference to. <laughs> you know what? It's okay. <laughs> put them on a putting on a, put them on a landing Ready? strip no. somewhere Ready? and call it a day. <laughs> versus art directing blonde. Look at that. There you go. Look we'll edit, at that. We'll edit that all nicely so it sounds like <laughs> I just seamlessly transitioned. Flawless. Yeah. So blonde. Ladies and gents and everybody else. Uh, where do we start? Well, let's start here. No, let me start. Let me. Okay. <laughs> how many stars do you give this movie? Out of five? Really? Yeah, out of five. I gave it two stars out of five. That's where I landed too. All okay. right, that wasn't a good place to start but <laughs> i mean kind of like so like this was my most anticipated movie of the year that's where i was gonna start yeah um and i'm giving it two stars which like you gotta not make a good movie for like i like most movies and it's andrew um, dominic who we both enjoy as a filmmaker yes not as much right now this is so interesting because i'm like literally how do we approach this conversation um well, actually, let's start here. For those of you who don't know, Blonde is a film by Andrew Dominic, which is a uh, live-action adaptation of the Joyce Carol Oates novel. <laughs> I don't know As why. As opposed to an we're, animated We were talking about animation, so it was in my head. Uh, <laughs> it is a retelling of the novel, um, which happens to be a... I don't know what the percentage is, but it's a partially fictionalized telling and overly dramatized telling of her life. Yes. Um, which is problematic in many, many ways. And I did not know how problematic until we started watching this movie. Um, should we say what we liked about the movie first? Maybe. Sure. Cause there was only a couple things that I liked. I liked the cinematography. I thought it was. Yes pretty pretty great all across the board and the technical way the way they shot it i was like this feels i mean he he makes movies that yes. look good um ana de armas i thought she was really really good i don't have ana de armas of, will get a nomination for this okay okay that's what i was wondering because i don't have a I, lot of reference for marilyn but she seemed to i don't i mean i don't have a huge i mean i've seen plenty of marilyn monroe movies yeah um i don't have a, a, a huge reference for it but like I have seen a lot of Ana de Armas movies where I'm like, that's her sure. through the whole thing. Not in this. She's no. excellent. Yeah. 
it's horrifying and like you're yeah. like but you're with her like you're not like I remember we had a conversation when the first trailer for this came out being like, it sounds like it's like kind of a Marilyn Monroe accent, kind of right. Darmus's accent. I don't know. This is weird. Yeah. I don't know. Nothing. Nope. Like maybe, I don't know. Like maybe if I watched gentlemen prefer blondes, like back to back with this, I'd be like, yeah, <laughs> don't sound any, but I but- 100% <sighs> never doubted that this was Marilyn Monroe. Yep. You know, in terms of performance. Sure. As you said, the cinematography, like, from a technical standpoint. Yes. This movie is fantastic. Yes, exactly. I feel like I don't fully grasp, but I feel like there is very specific intention around the cinematography and the um, variation in color versus black and white versus um, aspect ratio. Aspect ratio. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I texted you specifically because there's one shot that's nine by 16 and I'm like, wow. Um, yep. <laughs> like literally pause the movie when that happened yep. and be like, what? Yep. He took a like, photo and sent it to me. <laughs> yeah. Like, like blew apart my whole world in terms of like what's acceptable in a major motion picture. But mm-hmm. um, from a technical standpoint, this movie is amazing. Yeah. Like a masterpiece. (laughs) Which arguably makes everything else so much worse. Yeah. Yeah. From an emotional standpoint, from a representation standpoint, from any other standpoint outside of technical. Yeah. This movie is horrifying. Yeah, I it's so hard to even like put it into words because like it is well, I all right to just speak plainly, it is absolutely like victim blame that like the character is completely a victim through the whole thing. There is no like part where she is like the strong woman that Marilyn Monroe was. Mm-hmm. Like there is just like a misrepresentation of everything. It focuses on the most horrible parts of her life and like offers that as this is how it was. And this is who she is. Like this, is, and her this character. is who she is. And like is just completely submissive to every man in her life. It's a horrifying character. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it It's a movie that like by all accounts should have been, like sympathetic you know one of those types of films where it's like it's telling it how it was but at the same time it's like but look at how amazing this person was but you'd never get to that point in the film it's accusatory like the whole way through where you're kind of like even from the beginning with her mother you're like like guys it starts off with one of the hardest scenes ever to watch like it just like her mom going through that manic episode and like the fire and yeah. just, just it starts off tough, but it never gets anywhere. Like by the end, you're just like, "Well, she went through hell, and now she's dead." Like yeah. that's how I felt. She and, went through hell and ended up killing herself because of it. Right, and she was unhappy, which maybe she was unhappy, but it made it seem like she put herself in this situation, and she almost wanted. She almost. He was blaming her. He literally was blaming her yeah. through the whole movie. And it, it just, you can't get past that. I mean, there's like horrific, like miscarriage sequences and abortion sequences and like things that you're just like. Wildly obsessed with her sexuality, her like physic physicality. Like, yep. yeah. Yeah. And after reading some of his words about her where he was like, I don't really like her movies. I've never really seen any of them. You know, he literally said. Gentlemen yeah. Prefer Blondes is about a bunch of well-dressed whores. It was the quote. Yeah. And so after reading that and then seeing this, you you understand where he's coming from, where you're like, he really dis- dislikes this woman, yeah. I think. So the, the, the line I read that made me think about it was uh, he said something, and I'm paraphrasing, but he said something like she killed herself 
And that's the interesting part to me. So that's the story I wanted to tell. Which, from that point of view of why did Marilyn Monroe kill herself? Sure. I can see this script coming out of that. You know, sure. Because it's like, here's these all these negative, negative, negative things that happened to her that culminated. And like, you know. But that's a shitty interpretation of that. Right. Because her killing herself hits so much harder if it's a character that you believe in, that you like want to lift up and support and like all this kind of stuff. And it's just literally Mm -hmm. like, yep, she had her husband and he beat the shit out of her and made her have an abortion and this, and then she got married again and he like, you know, made her feel like shit and and like all this stuff, like over and over again. Mm-hmm. And it's like, that's my big thing is like, if that's the end point that you want to come to, there are better ways to get that than look at how terrible this person is through the whole thing. Right. Yeah. And here's my big thing about this film is if th- this movie, like we said, is so technically perfect. Mm-hmm. So well done. And like Andrew Dominic is a talented filmmaker. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah. Like the man knows the story he's like, but that makes it an absolute travesty that this is unabashedly the story he wanted to tell. Through and through, yeah. Like, you can't make any kind of, like, well, you know, maybe that just didn't come through. Or maybe, like, he wanted to have something like this that, like, ah, oh, but it got, like, chopped up. Or, like, yeah. you know, it, it kind of, the, the the filmmaking got away from it or something. I'm like, no. Like, this movie is technically perfect. Yeah. He crafted it exactly the way he wanted to. He told exactly the story he wanted to tell. Yep. And that story is fucking horrifying. And is degrading and like terrible in terms of representing like a conflicted woman who like killed herself. Like, right. It's fucking crazy. Right. And it doesn't make you feel like everyone who wronged her was really in the wrong, which was another thing that I had an issue with Mm. where you're just like, these things just happen, happen, happen. Obviously there was no real repercussions for a lot of this stuff. But it's just thing after thing after incident after incident where it's just unrelenting and nobody is being accused except for her. Like things happen, she gets assaulted and it's like, yeah, but she keeps going back though. And it's like, are you serious right now? This is really the, and it it pisses me off so much more because, you know, Baz Luhrmann just made his Elvis biopic Mm -hmm. as well. Very similar, not in terms of like the, the tone, he did it the exact opposite. He's like, this kid got taken advantage of every step mm-hmm. of the way. He was super talented, but like he almost did the exact opposite. And I liked, and I still didn't like it that much, but it was like too much in that, in the opposite direction. And they both ended the same way where you're like, but one of them, you're like, oh, I feel bad for this person. And at the end of Blonde, I was just like, I need to turn this off now. Like as yeah. soon as the bed came into frame, I'm like, I know this is the end. I just sat through three hours of this. I yeah. have to stop. Um, it was like literally oh. like a thank God this fucking movie's over. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, it was one of the more difficult things I've sat through. Uh, it was incredibly <sighs> hard. It was incredibly hard. And it's like, it's a weird thing. Cause there's almost a parallel, like for me in terms of like the horror movies I watch of where I just like mm. disconnect and go like, well, let's look at the filmmaking. Right. You know what I mean? And I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. Like, oh, interesting filmmaking. Like I like was like trying to examine. I'm like, all right. So like there, is there something like when it's in black and white, that's her interpreting herself as, you know, like Marilyn versus like when she's Norma Jean or like, like what's going on here. And, but like, it kept pulling me back in partially, I think because Ana de Armas was so good in it. Sure. You know, I pulling me in and going like, look at how fucked up this woman's life is. And I'm like, right. I, yeah, I, uh, um, I don't <laughs> yeah. think her life was like, th- like 
there's so many articles floating around the internet right now of like, let's talk about like how much good Marilyn Monroe actually did. And like, what was great about her? Because like, there is a real fear and like, I'm losing all my words. Uh, (laughs) There is a real fear and like a valid fear of like, this will become an interpretation of who Marilyn Monroe was. Right. Right. You know, um, which I think most people are like, wow, this was a, absolutely upsetting and doesn't seem like yeah. this is the way it was supposed to be I, it is like baffling but it's also like kind of reassuring to see who these filmmakers actually are once yeah. they get freedom to do what they want to because this was um a netflix movie where he got a budget of whatever he wanted to make it as long as you wanted to make it about whatever you yeah. wanted to make it it'll be rated nc-17 which like would never go to a theater anyway so like he really got to make the movie he wanted to and this can is we talk about the nc-17 for a second sure would you have rated this nc-17 i don't think so i mean it is bru- it is it's like horrific yeah but i don't think it cr- i don't know if well it's it's interesting because the rumor before it was oh there's like a rape scene in it right like a really graphic one like a really graphic and that happens in like the first 10 minutes right and like it happened i was like like that wasn't like anything right right Um, for it to be rated can't go in without being 17 yeah Um, i i don't but as it went on i kind of was like the the JFK scene was really oh, I'm dude. like this is this is vaguely pornographic. Totally, totally, um, totally. Yeah. And I can't imagine like that's just like a that whole thing with the JFK scene felt very much like I don't have respect for this person. Oh, a hundred percent. Like yeah, tough. Tough. It's it's tough, guys. It's it's a movie that I honestly would say don't watch because it's one of those types of films. Yeah. A lot of movies I'm like, it was terrible, but go for it. This is a different level of like you might it might ruin your year, honestly. If there's you watch not it. there's not anything really positive to pull out of it. No, no. Um, Even her performance, I'm like, yeah, but if the, if she get, like if she was in a different movie, yeah, as this, oh man. And her performance can be like. Like you could grasp the level of her performance by watching YouTube clips of this without having to be fully engrossed in the whole thing. Right. You yeah. know what I mean? Like the clip that they play when she's nominated and they play it at the Oscars, you know, will be enough to understand the performance that she gave. A hundred percent. Yeah. Cause she is yeah. consistent all the way through. She's um, great. She's so good. And I have like newfound yeah. respect for her. Um, not that I didn't have respect for Annie Dimas before, but like true. But she was in a lot of popcorn depth, movies. There's depth there now. Yeah. 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 Oh God. But fuck, man. <laughs> brutal, brutal, un unrelenting, terrible movie. Um, and it's really it's an interesting thing because it's really tough for me to make yeah. it about me. I got, uh, but, but like <laughs> it's like tough for me because I did love Andrew Dominic so much. Me too. You know what I mean? But I definitely use that as a past tense now. Yeah. Because I'm like, I don't, I will not get excited for a movie from him again. No. You know what I mean? I'm like. This is what you wanted to make with freedom? This is what, this is what, and like, not even like, this is his, this is his vision. This is his, like, let me tell the story of Marilyn Monroe. What a slut, what a whore, good thing she died. Yep. That's pretty much the message. And my Crazy. God. So with that bright and cheery note, guys, that's going to, I think, do it yes. this week. Let's um, stop talking about it. I'm going to go be sad again. I know. I'm going to have to watch something that has nothing to do with that. Uh, oh, my God. Ghostbusters Afterlife. There you go. There you go. There you go. Um. So. I feel like I should clarify <laughs> that like we were talking about Ghostbusters earlier, so I didn't just pull that out of nowhere. True, true, true. Uh, you know. <laughs> so let's move on to the recommendations, shall we? Neither of us are going to recommend Blonde, yes. but no. what we are going to do, <laughs> yes, although it could have fallen into this category because I decided that <laughs> we yeah. should have done a movie that was a, the scary not necessarily the scariest movie you've seen but a scary movie that's not a horror film 
because there are tons of them like that. Uh, we just talked for 25 minutes about one. Um, yeah. So, but these are movies that we would recommend you see. Um, yeah. So Josh is trying to bait me here because he knows I don't watch horror movies. Yes. Uh, and, and it's October. Like, it's the one month that we can just do I know. Horror. I was like, all right, here it comes. Yeah, I got to talk about <laughs> horror movies. Um, yep. Do you want me to go first? No, I'll go first on this okay. one. Okay. Because I feel like mine's like, eh, okay. Um, but mine is one that I, like, is not a horror movie, but is definitely scary Definitely pulls me in, and there are a couple parts in it that make my blood run cold. Mm. Um, and that is a movie that we've talked about a fair amount on this podcast, but never recommended. Um, and it's David Fincher's Zodiac. Oh, dude. Yes. There are so many different parts of this movie that are like different levels of just like anxiety and, and stress and scare. Yeah. Like, there is the scene when they're interviewing the guy, um, most descriptive sentence ever. Uh, <laughs> in the movie about. Yeah. in the movie about the, with the thing and the guy in the code. Um, <laughs> no, when they're interviewing the guy, they suspect to be the Zodiac killer. Um, mm-hmm. And it's just like the tension there is palpable. And like, they think that this guy could kill them at any time and like all this kind of stuff. And yeah, you know, there's just that just general discomfort fear. Um, and then there's the the actual stressful, unye- like unyielding anxiety of when you see like the actual murders. Yeah. Um, and that like when there's the the couple by the lake that just yep. gets stabbed repeatedly, that it was like and he and he comes over the hill. Definitely uh, yep. influenced Reeves's um, Riddler. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just like there's just these levels of like anxiety so that scary. movie that I'm just like. <sighs> That and is like, a horror scene. That is like. Oh. Yeah. And I can't even disengage from it because it's David yeah. Fincher and it's brilliant filmmaking. So I'm like, fine, right. I'm in it. Damn it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yes. That's um, a great so one. Zodiac is a, a fantastic movie. It's absolutely worth uh, worth the watch. Yeah. Jake Gyllenhaal, RDJ, mm-hmm. Mark Ruffalo. Yeah. Ruffalo. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, Fincher movies. He's like Kubrick where like they can go either way on a yeah. lot of his films where you're like. Even the game, I'm like that. That could be horror if you if you're looking at a certain way, you know, or Panic yeah. Room. You're like, mm, seven for sure. But um, Panic, interesting. Room. Yeah, I haven't thought of Panic Room in a long time. Good movie, good movie. Yeah, um, that's a great one. I need to rewatch Zodiac again. It's been a while. It's long. been like a decade. Uh, 2007. Um, but Zodiac oh, is like two hours and forty minutes long. Mm-hmm. Oh, weird. That doesn't feel that long anymore. I know. When you're like, I remember oh, when well. I first saw Zodiac, I was like, this movie is taking forever. Yeah. <laughs> but like 240, fucking Top Gun ba- Maverick was basically that long. Yeah. Bang that out. That's like an average Marvel film. Let's go. Um. <laughs> oh, all right. Well, that's all a right. good one. Mine is yeah. not like that. Uh, (laughs) although that ran through my mind no country ran through my mind there's a lot of movies that could be in this category but i decided to go for one um that just kind of popped into my head as we were talking about it earlier uh and that is a film from 2001 called black hawk down uh directed by ridley the guy the man now this is definitely a a sleeper movie a bit of a sleeper, and I think it's a bit of a film that's been lost to time at this point. Not yeah. many people talk about it, especially it's like Saving Private Ryan. There's a lot of war films that come up. But this one, while there's like like little glimpses of hope throughout, mm-hmm. it is a bleak, bleak movie. Um, there are many sequences that I can just vividly remember being like, oh my God, like the beginning where... Uh, I think it p- takes place in Somalia, but all the Somalians around the the rice cart, and then mm-hmm. that one dude on the machine gun just like shooting into the crowd, like stuff yeah. like that. And then you know when the guy's in the actual Black Hawk, and the two have to come in to try and save him at the very end, and they're just being overrun. Like there is truly horrific stuff going on in this movie. Uh, not to mention that every like minor character is like, oh, that's Orlando Bloom. Oh, that's Ewan McGregor. Oh, yeah. okay. Like there's like everybody, you're just like, I know these people. Um, not to mention it's also just Ridley Scott, who's a master at filmmaking and he really can just do any kind of film, which is amazing. And he puts his own spin on it and he makes it really, really great. Um, but this is, 
maybe my favorite war movie. I, it's hard to say, but it's one that I saw really young and it stuck with me sure. more than Saving Private Ryan. Because Saving Private Ryan, while the beginning is really horrific, it's a Spielberg film. Like, yeah. once you get into it, it's a, this this movie is bleak man black hawk down is like these guys are in the shit and they're getting blown to pieces and you see it um the guy getting the glass in his eye oh my god it's just it's so horrible uh and it really doesn't make you want to go anywhere near a war zone so um, it is wild i've just brought up like the imdb like the cast in this is isn't eric banna in it and like so josh harnett ewan mcgregor tom sizemore eric banna fitchner (laughs) sam shepherd like uh jason isaacs like yeah like everybody you're like under all that grime, i haven't watched oh, this movie minute. in so long it's interesting my brain like when you were like oh movie that's horrifying yeah it's not a horror movie like yeah there's a, a quite a number of war movies that would fall into that um apocalypse oh, yeah. now jumps to mind a hundred percent a hundred percent um but yeah black hawk down it's a banger uh it's it can be a rough watch but it's not there's something there. You that cannot makes it... refer to Black Hawk Down as a banger. <laughs> Bad Josh. Okay, fine. It... <laughs> I enjoy the movie. Uh, and it's streaming on Hulu, so check it out. <laughs> I might have to hit that. It's been a hot minute since I've watched that one. Me too. I'm, I'm going to add that to my list of uh, stuff to watch this month. Um, so yeah, guys, there we have it. Another episode I like, down. I feel like that movie, Black Hawk Down, has no business being having been made in 2001. God, no. Are you kidding me? No. <laughs> it feels like that should be like from 1984. I know. <laughs> Weird. Oh, my God. It's so good, though. I mean, the imagery, it's so visceral. Yeah. And to know that that's Ridley Scott and you're like, he can do anything. It's amazing. Yeah. It'll um, be interesting to see if we can get more just like horror war movies these days all quiet on the western front coming to netflix i feel like that's got good potential it definitely does Um, ones that just are unrelenting um interesting that that could be a whole thing to unpack of can this generation make horrifying war movies right right (laughs) yes i mean we got the hurt locker we got you know it's true zero dark 30 i guess yeah (laughs) all right all right cool yeah episode seven here we are there we are. 70, man. 30 to Crazy. We'll have to do something special for 100. Yeah. In, you know, 10 months. Yeah. <laughs> Eight months, whatever. Sure. Um, That's not that long. Holy crap. It's not. All right. That'll do it. That'll bring us home. Uh, Josh, where can people find you on the internet? That's crazy. Eight months. Um, you can find me on the internet on Twitter at Josh Fuller 33. Fuller is spelt with no E. You can also find me on both Instagram and Letterboxd at Josh J. Fuller. And where can people find you, Willis? Eight months, man. And we just like do these. I know. Like they're not even hard anymore. It's just no. like, yeah, let's go talk about movies for a couple <laughs> <Yeah>. hours. <laughs> it's um, great. You can find me on the internet, uh, on Instagram, on Twitter, on Letterbox at Willis Film. And if you want to find the podcast, you can find us on Instagram at Pixel Splitters. You can find us on Twitter at Pixel Split Pod. And you can find all of our recommendations, including Zodiac and Black Hawk Down. Brutal night. That's a pair. That is a <laughs> that is a double feature. Can you imagine? Yeah, it is. You come out of it and you're like, oh. Can you imagine just like, I got to go to bed now. I just watched Black Hawk Down and Zodiac. <laughs> it's two in the morning. I got to watch, you know, Abbott Elementary to unwind here. Something, yeah. Um, <laughs> wow. Uh, yeah all of our recommendations on our letterbox um Mm -hmm. feel free to like subscribe leave us messages tweet at us all that fun stuff Um, all the good stuff and we will keep coming at you with our with our stuff man with our movie with our takes with our movie talk with our opinions uh and yeah we love doing it so don't watch blonde don't please don't it's very rare that i say that don't watch blonde (laughs) it's uh uh. it is it it is a disgusting movie um yeah i really Good want forward. like a a top tier oscar nom movie for anna de Armas now that like does like i know give me something where she can really sink her teeth into it and like i can appreciate it without wanting to like cry at the end right right 
Oh my god. Get her yeah. with like Noah Baumbach. Get her with a filmmaker that's yeah. can get a good performance and it's really dramatic, but isn't gonna like be a misogynist about it. It's know? weird because I'm like, she has worked with incredible filmmakers. Yeah, almost exclusively. <laughs> yeah, like crazy. All right. Yeah. That'll do it. Uh, we'll- let's yeah. Let's <laughs> Here we go. And here comes the curtain. Not thinking about blonde anymore. End of pod.